Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. So I remember a time in grade 10 where I went to a house party with a cousin of mine, Priscilla, and another cousin, Kashinango, and went to this house party. And um, as we're dancing, we're we're having fun at this party. Uh, I notice uh, my cousin Priscilla's classmate, and uh, so I start I start talking to her, and everything's really flowing. You know, um, I looked good. I felt confident. My moves were just every move was flowing into each other, as well as every word was just dripping out of my mouth like honey. And I really impressed her. So that day, I left that party very proud of myself. And I also left that party with her number. And um, it was close to Valentine's Day, so I asked this girl to be my Valentine. Now, it was a week before Valentine's Day, and my cousin Kashinango came over. And <clears throat> this cousin of mine has always been uh, the most random, fun person in my life. To this day, he will call me up and ask me to do something completely random and we'll have a blast doing it. He continues to be that person in my life. I'm always laughing with him, always doing random stuff, um, whether it's being called to climb a random mountain or drive somewhere and just have a short road trip. He's my fun person. But this day, he, he, he comes over to our place and says, hey, let's jog to the mall. So, okay, not really doing anything. In that time I lived in Olympia at my mom's place. And so we run to the mall and we're having a blast, we're laughing, we're joking. And then we get to the mall and he says, yeah, let's just walk through. Now, I, I was not dressed in my best. I had this wife beater with uh, quite a few holes and it had gone from crisp white to um, not from dirt, from how old it was. And I had these dark brown pants, dark brown cargo pants that no longer touched my ankles. So I would do this thing, I'd roll them up so it looked like it was a style. But they too were faded. Faded by the sun, there were a few spots where I had um, bleached it by accident. There are a few paint spots as well. These are the working pants. And then, on top of that, I had these very old brown grasshoppers. Now, I don't know why I wore that to jog, but I did that day. So, we're walking through the mall. Now, we've come around the corner um, where Nedbank is now. And just as I come around the corner, I spot my future Valentine. And before my cousin could even notice, before she could see me, I ran backwards. I ran the other way, I disappeared. Because I thought to myself, I can't let her see me like this. I'll lose that tick of approval. I looked so suave and I was so cool that day. And now I look like a bum. So I ran the other way. I thought, that's crazy, we do crazy things to get the approval of people or to keep their approval. 
And it comes from a natural want for love and approval. This is something that God has made in us because we're made for relationship. But this can become an unhealthy fear where we are scared of what people may think. We're scared that people won't love us anymore. We're scared we might lose something. This becomes a fear of man. And this morning, on for us to, to look through a story. It's a sad story, um, but it talks about this, this very thing. Uh, the story is in First, First Samuel chapter 15. And this is a story of, of Saul um, being rejected by God as king. Let's go to First Samuel. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, if you'd like to follow along. It says, One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people. Now listen to this message of the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came out of Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire nation, uh, the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. So Saul mobilized his army at Telem, and there were 200,000 soldiers from Israel, and 10,000 men were from Judah. Then Saul and his army went down to the town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent his warning to the Kenites, saying this, Move away from the Kenites, uh, move, move away from where the Amalekites live, or you will die with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came from Egypt. So the Kenites packed up and left. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, and completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep, goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs. Everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They only destroyed what was worthless and of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, Saul went to the town of Carmel and set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's command. Then what is all the bleating of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear, Samuel demanded. It's true that the army sped the best of the sheep and goats and cattle, Saul admitted. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you? Saul asked. And Samuel told him, 
Although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you as king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what is evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep and goats and cattle and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the commandment of the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I have sinned. I have disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. It's such a sad story. And, and a lot of times I read, I read the Bible and I look at these characters and I think to myself, I would never do that. I would never turn away from God after all that he's done for me. And then I have to think and say, I'll probably do exactly the same thing. See, this is something that I personally struggle with myself. The need to please people. So as we go through the story, Samuel is told to completely wipe out these people. Because when they came out of Egypt, they actually attacked Israel. And Saul has seen God's power. They've become a nation and he's their first king. And he's seen God lead him as he leads this nation. So why would he disobey God? says he disregards the commandment of God and did what the soldiers wanted. He said, I was afraid of the people. You can see them being out there as, 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 as they're defeating this nation. The soldiers, in their greed, they're looking at all of these things that God has told them not to touch, to completely destroy. And they want it. I can see them pressuring King Saul. Saying, why don't we just take that? What will happen if we just take all these good things and then we sacrifice them to the Lord? I'm sure that will please God. And when Samuel pressed him, he said, I sinned. I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. See, Saul had a fear for them and he had no natural reason to be afraid of them. He, he's the king, the highest in order, put there by God himself. He could say one word 
and the soldier that disapproves of his decision to say, no, we are not taking those sheep, we're not taking those goats, we're not taking that cattle, we, he, could, he could with one second say, you must be put to death. They have no power over him. But we find out that he actually had a very low self-esteem. Samuel, when he's speaking to him, says this in verse 17. Although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? He's saying the Lord anointed you as king. You think so little of yourself, but God has exalted you to the highest place. I can see Samuel being confused as he's asking him this. And can't you see what the Lord has done for you? Why are you still groveling for their acceptance and their approval when God has put you in this place? He himself accepted you and put you up there. See, even when God made him king, if you, if you go back and, and, and read for yourself, in 1 Samuel 9 verse 21, when Samuel says that God has chosen you as king, he says, but I'm from Benjamin, the least of the tribes, the smallest of the tribes. He's probably thinking to myself, and me, I am the least. He sounds like Gideon here when an angel of the Lord comes to him and says that he wants him to rescue his people. He says, I am the least of my tribe, which is the least in Israel. You see, as we look at it, this is actually very irrational. To have this fear that his soldiers, the people of Israel, could take away anything from him. But think of us. We fear people because we fear what they may take away from us. A few things that we can just mention. We fear losing love. We fear that if we don't act a certain way, if we don't agree with people, if we don't do what they want us to do, then we'll lose their love, lose their approval. But we have it in abundance in Christ. Jesus pours it out on us in Romans 8 verse 35 to 39, he says this, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, For your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, over, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither fears for today or worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed 
in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can take away that love. He continues and he says, he says this in, um, in 1 John, it says this. 1 John 3 verse 1, it says, See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. We are his children. So you might fear losing love from people, but the one who created love pours it out on us. We could feel losing love from someone who could, who's here today and gone tomorrow. But God who gives love forever pours it out on us. We have no reason to fear man. Because God gives us love perfectly and that can't be taken away. We fear losing out on our livelihood. Maybe if you don't uh, agree with a corrupt deal that's happening in your business, then maybe your boss has set up or manager has set up, you fear that you might lose your position or lose a chance to earn more money someday. We fear that if we don't uh, agree with the opinions of the world, and these opinions are continuing to push, to push against those of Christ, there's going to be a time when your stand for Christ may mean that you lose your job. But it says this in Matthew 6 verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. God provides everything. The very talents you have the skills you have, your health to be able to work, the money that your employers are paying you with, that comes from God. And He's able to provide for us, even if they cut us off. We have no reason to fear man, because they cannot take away, because God will provide. We fear losing our place in society, or losing the identity that we've set up, the persona that we've set up. Maybe if I disagree with the world, if I disagree with people, if I stand for what Christ is telling me to stand for, they'll see me as foolish. I'm no longer honored by people, but ridiculed by them. Maybe even cast out by friends, pushed out of friend groups. But it says this in Revelations 5, verse 9 to 10. They sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. And they will reign on the earth. 
We are kings. We are princes. We are priests in our God's kingdom. And we will reign with him forever. That is our identity. There's no place of status that is higher than what God will give us. We will reign over the earth. So why do we fight for scraps, fight for, for, for status in this world that we will reign with with God someday? We are co-heirs with Christ. Our identity is not defined by anyone in this world. It is determined by the one who made the foundations of this world. We have no reason to fear man because they cannot take away the place that God has made for us, the identity that God has made for us. We fear physical harm and losing our lives. And that's, that's a reality. There are people all over the world, believers all over this world, who are losing their lives for the sake of Christ. Thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people, Christians who, who have put their faith in Christ, are dying, are being killed by those who are telling them to renounce their faith. So that is a reality. That may happen. Maybe it might happen in our lifetimes. We may see it as highly unlikely, but we don't know. But Matthew 10, verse 26 to 33 says this, But don't be afraid for those who threaten you, for a time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed, and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you in the darkness, shout abroad when the daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout on the rooftops for all to hear. Do not be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I'll also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I'll also deny before my Father in heaven. He says, we have no reason to fear. This physical body, it's described in the scriptures as a tent. It's not a permanent home. It is not a house. Everything here will pass away. This body will pass away. What we need to be more concerned about is eternity. And that God says he has in his hands. We read the, the, the passage in Revelations where it says we will reign with him forever. So what if we die here? What if we are killed here? My real life, my eternal life is secure in Christ. I have, we have no reason to fear man for our physical harm and losing our lives because God has given us eternal life in him. See, this makes no sense. And, and I know I'll preach this sermon 
and I'll struggle with this still. But luckily my approval is not one that I have to work for. See, we work for people's approval, but Jesus did the work for ours. He died on the cross and if we believe in him, we are completely accepted by God. No work required. He has given us everything. We have no reason to fear what, what man can give us or take, or, or take away from us because they can't really. I want to testify what God has given me. He has given me everything. He has put me in a family that I love so much. Everything that I love about my family, every part of their personalities that is good comes from him. And he made them. Gave me my wife whom through he, he's teaching me to be a better husband and, and to be a better man and whom I see unconditional love through every single day. He gives me my livelihood. He called me to ministry and continues to provide for me. He has given me an identity. I am his child. More than that, I'm a conqueror in Christ. I'm a co-heir of his kingdom. He has given me eternity in him. And I don't have to fear death because I'll spend eternity with my precious almighty savior Jesus. My comfort and guide, the Holy Spirit. And my perfect and loving Father God. And not because I am worthy. But I am, I am an unworthy child. That has been spoiled by the riches of his perfect Father's grace. I have everything and no man can take away what God has given me. I have no reason to fear and you have no reason to fear. God has given us everything. So we have no, no reason to fear man, to fear what they may take from us. We, have, we don't need to be afraid that no one here will love us. We don't need to be afraid that we may lose out on the most prestigious positions. We don't even need to fear for our physical lives because we have eternity with God. Fear no man. Fear him who has your soul and who will give you eternal life. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for grace upon grace that you pour out to us who are undeserving. Thank you for the work that you did. You took suffering, you took pain, you took shame. So that we had security in you 
assurance of salvation in you. You give us identity and you give us purpose. And you approve of us. You see us as, as children that you dearly love. So we have no reason to fear. So Jesus, please remind us of that when we're tempted to try and live for the approval of others, for people. God, may all of our lives be laid down and dedicating, dedicated to living for your approval. To live to please you, to fear you, to honor you, to revere you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.